Welcome back to Podcast 61 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For a $250 bonus, please visit The Ozbreakers. Click Bet Now. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support The Ozbreakers and benefit, from our premium plays, please visit theazbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. If nothing else, please visit theazbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. We have a great show for you today because Parker Fleming from Sumer Sports is coming on to talk some college football with me. Very excited to talk to Parker. He's on many shows all over Twitter, all over YouTube. Sumer Sports is getting bigger and bigger. Really enjoyed those guys over at the panel a week and a half at Circa. After that, we have a new guest in Peter Simons, CEO of the season, an amazing sports and football contest website that has thousands and thousands of users and many, many payouts i can't wait to talk to peter about that another way that you can play some fun survivor type games including a loser's pool over at the szn for season the szn.com before those guys come on i'm gonna go over the nfl slate of games with a few plays might have given them away already might have a brand new one for you or two for nfl Week one. A couple things I want to talk about. This is your last chance at the 75 bucks for life discount for my own premium plays. This is all sports at theozbreakers.com. We've been killing it in baseball up over 20 units. Started six and eight in college football, and the NFL is on its way, just like it has been over the past two years of great. Profitability. We also have our discount football 2023, 100 bucks off any football package at theozbreakers.com, including my own. Good until September 17th. Make sure you check us out at theozbreakers.com. Really appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. Before we get into the actual games and the lines, I did a little bit of research on NFL officials, which I've been doing more and more lately. I have a database. And some news broke earlier this year that you might already know about. Jerome Boger has finally retired. (laughs) I mean, standing ovation, please. Jerome Boger has costed me money many times in the past. And this man would move the outcomes of the games and actually change the correct outcomes of the games just by biased and poor officiating between zero and 14 points. After the Cincinnati Raiders game, if you remember that playoff game was a year or two ago, there was a massive outcry for him to be fired because of all the blunders that he had. 
in that game, but it was consistent with him. It's almost like he favored the stars when it came to the games. There's definitely a percentage to the home team. Home team scored 24 points. Away team scored 22. So there was a favoritism towards the home game. And to be honest with you, if you look at these numbers, not every official uh, had home teams scoring more, even if you think about a home field advantage. Uh, but there was worse than him when it comes to the home team. He was just incompetent when it comes to pretty much all facets of officiating. You know, inconsistent calls. Uh, sometimes he'll call defensive holding when it was happening all game and he didn't call it or the complete opposite. He started calling defensive holding and then it happens later and he doesn't. It, it was just absolutely inconsistent with Boger. So I'm really happy to announce that Boger uh, is not going to be an official for the 2023 football season. All right, well, let's get into some of these games. I'm going to give you some thoughts. I'm not going to disclose anything premium unless it's going to be one of my free plays that I give out because I do bet every single free play, and it is always a free premium play when I bet it. When I bet it, it's good enough for me to bet it. I send it out, and some of those I have to reserve for free plays. But if you remember, most of the bigger ones will always go to just premium subscribers. Sometimes I'll sprinkle those bigger ones in though for this podcast or for our articles at theoddsbreakers.com. Let's start out with the Lions versus the Chiefs. Now this line tanked when Kelsey was announced announced out. So he obviously was from 6.5 to 4.5. It's minus 4.5 now on our Betfred odds screen. Total is 52. This was probably about a 2 to 3% move from the 6.5. Now, to be honest with you, my number was more 5, 5.5 on this game when Kels was still in, especially due to the Jones holdout for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I think that him being such a force down low in the tackle position really was the heart and soul of that defense, you know? And I'm not so sure, you know, how much longer he's going to hold out. You know, Chris Jones, if you remember watching through the playoffs, was an absolute beast at right defensive tackle. So uh, three technique, five technique, whatever position, he could play it. So I'm I'm pretty disappointed that he's not going to play it. Uh, for the game as far as a fan perspective, but I do think that this line might be a little bit big at the four and a half. When I, when I found the Kels news, I sent out six, and it stayed for six a while at minus 117 in a lot of books, but now at four and a half, I, I would not recommend a play necessarily. I'm kind of between the three and the three and a half right now uh, for this uh, for this line. To be honest with you, I, I'm just not quite sure that Mahomes can't get it done because he's got it done without Kelsey before. But you also have to realize that some of Mahomes' receivers, like Kadarius Toney, uh, has been missing in the preseason. So he's going to have to kind of figure out where he's going to be when throwing the ball in some of those pass plays. The next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh is plus two and a half. 
The total is 41. This is a classic teaser leg, and it's going to be probably used by a lot of people in the marketplace. Low total. You can take that 2.5 all the way to 8.5. Now, the Steelers look great in the preseason. They also do well on their week one games. The Niners kind of did this most of the summer without Purdy being the starter, but it looks like Purdy is good enough here to kind of come in and play. Uh, Obviously, the whole Trey Lance thing was a distraction that they're trying to get past. But, I I mean, Purdy looked competent last year. I just am not a big believer in him. I'm going to wait to see if this possibly gets closer to a three. It'll probably get gobbled up right away if it does. But uh, right now, I think it's a great teaser leg for you guys to jump on such a low total here and uh, see if the kid, Brock Purdy, can uh, continue that massive streak that he's been on minus that playoff game that he got hurt in versus the Eagles. Just so you know, my power ratings have this exactly at uh, 2.5 dog here uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Next, we have the Buccaneers versus the Vikings. The Vikings is minus six. The total is 45.5. This is kind of a a perfect line. Uh, Tampa Bay coming in without nearly the talent they had in the past. There's still some older guys there that are paid well who could start the season good. I just don't think that they're going to be long-lasting guys. Uh, They have some offensive line issues for sure, and you have a completely different quarterback than you started with last year, obviously, in Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker should be playing with a chip on his shoulder. I think for a first week, even though my power ratings has this, uh, Minnesota minus 7.5, I I, I can't take Minnesota with a big spread here past the 6 in the very first week of the season. So many different things happen the first week. Slightly into Minnesota right here, but I'm sure that there's going to be some sharper sides coming up on Tampa Bay uh, this week. Uh, Titans versus the Saints. Now, the Saints is minus three, minus 115. Total is 41, another low total game. This game, I do have a play on, and we're taking the Titans plus three for two stars here. Uh, Here's why. I don't think that the Titans should be downgraded that much early in the season, being that they still have Tannehill, They have a bit of a broken up offensive line. I do get that, but it's not like the Saints offensive line was all that good. But they did add DeAndre Hopkins, another playmaker there that somewhat makes up for the A.J. Brown debacle that they went through about a year and a half ago, right? I have no idea why they still made that trade and people got fired over it. But Tannehill's got a lot to prove. And it's not like Tannehill's necessarily thinking in his mind to stay with this team. He wants to land a great job at another team. And so it's almost like in a contract year right now over in Tennessee. Now, Tennessee still has Henry, and he's fresh now coming off the summer, right? He's going to be running all over the place while the Saints do not have Kamara, and they have a very interception-prone Derek Carr that could make a uh, a difference in this game. D- to be completely honest with you, I think that these teams are power-rated pretty close to each other. I am not a big believer in Dennis Allen, I, I think he's more of a coordinator rather than a head coach. He's not, he hasn't proven to me, especially from his performance last year, that he is a Sean Payton. You know, I, I just do not understand why this is still at three. I think this should go down because I think the Titans are a very capable team that almost made the playoffs last year as well, while my number is minus 1.25. 
I think that this should be about a one and a quarter spread. Like I said, these are these are power rated very close to each other. I think the free is more of a a good value on this. So we'll take that for two stars. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Next game, Houston versus Baltimore. Baltimore's minus 10. The total is 44. I hate to say it, but Baltimore could destroy this team. Um, it's the first week. I'm not laying double digits here. Not really a six-point teasable. If you want to go a 10-point teaser with three teams and get the minus 110 on that or minus 120, you could go ahead and be cute on that. But uh, Houston does not have an offensive line. They don't even know who's starting yet. And C.J. Stroud looked very bad and very green in the preseason so far. Uh, Houston's still that bad team. Baltimore Ravens are going to come out firing. They still have that playoff loss and the issues with Lamar in the back of their mind from last year. They have something to prove. I would certainly lean uh, the Baltimore Ravens minus 10. I'm not taking it due to the first week. Could be some mess-ups, uh, but that's this is definitely uh, a pretty strong lean I have in this game. Cardinals versus Commanders. Commanders minus 7, total is 38. I believe that Josh Dobbs will be starting this game. Um, I did some research on this, and that would make the spread probably pretty accurate. I would actually even maybe make think that this could be a plus six and a half with Dobbs and plus seven and a half if it's Clayton Tune. If you remember, Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, had Dobbs from April 9th through November 28th of last year on the team. Then Dobbs did a quick stint in Detroit's practice squad. Then he went to the Titans and actually started their uh, couple games and did pretty well uh, against the Cowboys. I know they lost that game, but you know they certainly fought hard. And uh, he did well against the Jacksonville Jaguars, almost taking them completely out of the playoffs. So he's a serviceable kind of guy right now. And he has camaraderie with the offensive coordinator. Um, so I, I find that kind of interesting here. This team could be a little sneaky if Dobbs can be somewhat decent, to believe it or not. I I think everyone's hating on the Cardinals. I'm just going to give you the other side of it, right? My number does not have Washington at uh, much past the seven. It's at seven and a half. And if Dobbs is going to start, I'll probably make an adjustment on my power rating silver so slight. If Toon's going to start, I'll probably make this spread eight. Right now, I, I not enough information, but I'm not going to mess with it. And I'm sure the car, the commanders are the biggest survivor play next to the Ravens of the 2023 week one NFL season. The Jaguars versus the Colts. The Colts are plus five. Total is 45. So this is the first situation where you have the home dog in the division, you know, getting points, the home team. And that's a massive trend favoring the home team so the trend favors the Colts greatly I think it's close to 60 percent or something massive over the years uh that trend kind of wants to make keep me off of it because I understand why if you can put good reasoning behind a trend then you buy more into it well the reasoning is this the team that's a home team is more hyped up being a dog after working their asses off all summer and in the preseason, they're going to put some extra effort into it, in my opinion. And that's why they seem to cover all these games, plus the game one uh, variance being that these starters didn't play a lot in the preseason is certainly a lot higher 
makes you favor the dog for sure. But is it enough for me to get on Anthony Richardson against a team that I like to get to the AFC Championship game in the Jaguars? Not quite. <laughs> you know, not quite. I believe my number on this also it favors the Jaguars. I have them closer to eight, but I'm not trusting my power ratings just past one key number. Well, it's actually past two key numbers. I'm not trusting it enough for whatever reason. Based on that trend, may call me scared. I don't know. But uh, I'm lower on Indianapolis than the market is, and I'm higher on Jacksonville in the market. It's two pretty big differences with these teams. Maybe I get to it. Maybe I don't. But it's just not a profitable thing to be betting against home divisional dogs NFL week one. Uh, here's the next one. Bengals at Browns. Browns plus two and a half total, 47.5 from Betfred Odds. Now, Cleveland, another home dog situation, thinking the same thing. Cincinnati has not started the seasons off great, especially when they have new offensive line. Now, Joe Burrows missed a lot of practice time due to his injury. It's Cleveland or nothing for me, but this is Cleveland's going to be a leg in our teaser that I will be giving at the end of this segment, as you know. Uh, Carolina Panthers. Plus three and a half at Atlanta. Uh, this is another situation where you have a divisional dog, but it's not a home one. Divisional dogs also do well in general, not just being at home. Now, the big thing for this one is that the Falcons are three and a half point favorites. I don't know a ton about Desmond Ritter yet. And this team just does not cover all that well as a larger favorite, you know? If you look at Atlanta, the last the last games, I mean, they played Tampa, who had nobody, the very, very final game, right? 30 to 17. They did cover that spread. It was a six-point spread because they knew how battered up Tampa was. You know, they only beat Arizona by one last year, a broken-down Arizona team. Then they lose to Baltimore. They lose to New Orleans. They lose to Pittsburgh. They lose by six to Washington. They only beat the Bears by three points. They covered because they were two and a half, but then they lose to Carolina, lose to the Chargers. Then they beat Carolina by three points back in 2022. So Carolina has uh, covered the spread the last couple games against this team. And as bad as Bryce Young and Carolina looks in the preseason, which they look bad, this is still kind of a dangerous spot where you put all the starters in. So even though my number has Atlanta Winning by more, the fact that it's past the three really keeps me off it. I have Atlanta by five. So this is a situation where even though Atlanta's gotten stronger and I think that Carolina's in a transition, I'm going to lean towards Atlanta, but I'm certainly not going to make a play at three and a half uh, in this situation. Maybe watch it and see if the sharp uh, betters can take this down to three. Then I'd certainly be more inclined to be taking the Atlanta side in this situation. Next game. We have the Miami Dolphins versus the Chargers. Miami plus three, starting to juice up a little bit, minus 112. For this game, I actually gave out a premium play yesterday on it, so I'm not going to talk much about it. I just know that I think the Chargers have more of an incompetent coach, but they at least got a better offensive coordinator now with Kellen Moore. Uh, Miami did go to L.A. last year and lost after that uh, 49ers debacle where they kind of choked that game away uh, probably th two-thirds through the season, early December 
from 2022. Next game, the Eagles versus the Patriots. Eagles minus four. The total is 45. I think this is kind of a perfect spread. You know, I mean, let's just say you have Eagles six or seven points better than the average team on your power ratings, right? Well, where you have the Patriots, probably average, probably zero to one maybe in your power ratings. Well, give a couple points to home field advantage for the Patriots. There you have it. You're at four. You know, it's the perfect spread for where these teams are really power rated. The question is, you know, who's going to prevail? The Patriots did get a better offense coordinator than Patricia last year. They now have Bill O'Brien, not a great head coach, as we know, but a better coordinator now under the eyes of Belichick. Uh, Dangerous game, I think, for Philly, in my opinion. It's just a, a pretty bad trend going against Philadelphia. Super Bowl losers are something like four and 16 against the spread. Uh, dating all the way back to 2003, uh, coming into their first game of the next season. You know, it's just so such a bad system right now for the Eagles. Um, the Eagles did have a very easy schedule last year, but they're also an extremely strong team uh, from top to bottom. Um, Mac Jones would have to definitely uh, play a lot better than he did last year under this new offensive coordinator certainly going to lean to the Patriots even though my number has the Eagles being road chalk by 4.5 points so there you have it my number is 4.5 yet I would still lean to the Patriots just based upon the situation it's disheartening to lose a Super Bowl and you kind of come in and you know the team that you're playing is a home dog (laughs) You know, they, they want to prove that they're a Super Bowl caliber team. You might still have some of the Super Bowl in the back of your mind. I, I don't know what the psychology is on this situation, but can't be that good. Rams versus Seattle. Seattle minus five and a half. This has been bouncing all over the place. And, um, you know, a situation where I liked the Rams earlier, but then when it got down to five, it, it's all about Cooper Cup. He's, God, if he's seen a specialist, is he really going to play? <laughs> Probably not. So what does that leave Matt Stafford uh, complaining? You know, that's what he's been doing. He's been complaining about the rookies just constantly being on our phones. It's kind of like he's that old grumpy man. I, I God, the Matt Stafford, is he going to check out already this early? He still has Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell to throw to. But Tutu Atwell is brand new last year. Demarcus Robinson's there. He still has Tyler Higbee. Cam Akers is healthy. Man, this is one of those situations where you know the Rams' defense has massively took a hit minus Aaron Donald. I don't even think Aaron Donald should be staying on this team. He'll probably get traded later into the season. But, you know, they also are probably coming into this game like, well, we got screwed last year against Seattle at the end, and now we get to play these guys again. So there's just all these different narratives that you can come up. I mean, between five and six is probably a pretty good number in my opinion. I did – take an investment in the Rams uh, earlier in the season at the six, but I took a little chunk of it back at the five, just to let you know. I mean, just explaining how this has kind of went all over the place. I think when uh, Cooper Cup's announced out, this will go to six and a half. So if you do like Seattle, I would get it now. Uh, if you like the Rams, I would probably wait a little bit. And if Cooper Cup happens to be announced in, it's not. It's probably going to move down to five. You know, it's not. It's not going to be a massive difference 
from this game to the next. Bears versus Packers, baby, my Bears. And I hate to say it, but the Bears' offensive line woes has been cluster injuries throughout the preseason. And that bugs me because I wanted to see a healthier Bears. I, they tend to figure it out a little bit. And sometimes Justin Fields can, uh, you know, just with his legs get past the necessity of great offensive line play. But, you know, he's going to want to throw the ball. He's going to want to show people what he has. Uh, it looks like uh, the Bears put Doug Kramer, uh, the, the center on IR, and they put Tevin Jenkins on IR. Braxton Jones should be the left tackle, and the new kid, Darnell Wright, uh, should be playing. So it's nice to see Nate Davis uh, finally healthy, so he'll be playing. So I guess, you know, with Lucas Patrick there in the center, maybe it's not as bad as you think. But, I mean, the, the Packers have a great coach, and right now I have to say that LaFleur is much better than Eberflus. I, I don't know enough about Eberflus yet playing in, on teams that were just the first year of rebuild, you know. Uh, the Bears defense better step up. Uh, they did sign a ton of guys like TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Yannick Nagakwo, uh, Demarcus Walker. So you got some guys here. You know, Zach Pickens and Gar- Gervin Dexter, their two interior guys, should be rotating in a little bit. I don't know what kind of grades you can give them for their preseason. You have Jack Sanborn and Jalen Johnson. Uh, or sorry, Jack Sanborn at the other linebacker. Jalen Johnson's back at uh, cornerback. Kyler Gordon at cornerback. Eddie Jackson's back. And Jaquan Brister is a little banged up, but he thinks he can play. So this is a situation where the Bears were three-point favorites. Now it's been really going towards the Packers. And I'll tell you this, Jordan Love has looked really good in the offseason. I think that these two teams have so much variance on each side of it that I would just say, let's wait and see. But I'll tell you this, if you want to lean... I lean to the Packers. They also have an official, the head official over there, that uh, it definitely favors the away team. Next game, we have the Raiders versus the Broncos. Broncos minus four, total 44. This one's tough because I do not like the Raiders as a team and what's going on this year. There's a lot of complaining, lots of, Lots of just dysfunction in this organization. Chandler Jones was talking crap about his coach. Devontae Adams has been very mad. But at the same time, could this just be a bunch of noise and they come up and stun the Broncos a little bit? Uh, The Broncos being a four-point favorite after their performance last year. Little head-scratching. I mean, my number is 2.25. You know, I don't have the Broncos that much better. You know, this is just a situation where it's hard to bet on the Raiders, but sometimes you have to. Uh, you got to bet numbers in situations and just not teams, especially this early, because you don't know this much about the team. You know, uh, the Raiders, pretty healthy coming into it. Jimmy Garoppolo should have a chip on his shoulder. He's not that great of a quarterback, but he should have a chip on his shoulder. While Denver, they lost Jerry Jetty most likely for this week. They still they got Javante Williams back, but he was injured. Then they're kind of counting on Cortland Sutton and the rookie Marlin, Marvin Mims. Tim Patrick's on IR from last year as well. Same with Jason Virgil. Ugh, I mean, that Raider defense last year was pretty bad against the run. Russell Wilson also just has not looked all that good in the uh, in the preseason at all. 
coaching you got you got to give it to Sean Payton and I hate betting against good coaches in the first game you know that's one thing you want to lean towards is really the good coaches so very stuck between a rock and a hard place on this one I'm probably going to lean to the Raiders in this situation being at the four and I I totally understand a play on it I do and uh, you know maybe I can get there I'm not there yet but uh, maybe after more research uh, something will pop Uh, Cowboys Giants the night game now this is down to three I mean it's a Cowboys juiced minus 118 total 46.5 I I gotta tell you I like the Giants more and more as I keep looking at it the Cowboys are loaded but the Cowboys have not been a great coming off the first game of the season uh, type team and I'll go to the Dallas Cowboys and let you know kind of how they've done over the years in 2022 they lost to Tampa Bay uh, 2021 lost to Tampa Bay. Well, I, I guess it's Tom Brady, but Tampa Bay wasn't all that good last year. Uh, 2020 they lost to the Rams, their first game. I remember that. 2019 they did beat the Giants, and I guess so. That was the last time they had a first team. But this Giants team is obviously completely different uh, than it was back in 2019, and I guess so is the Cowboys team. But uh, I took three and a half, and I'm not going to take it at three. So uh, I'm not going to give out a play. But if you can find a flat three and a half on this situation, I would certainly uh, recommend a play on the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley's back. They're going to use him hard. Uh, Tony Dayball has just been a fantastic one-score game coach, and he can probably get the Giants back in this game if they're down by 10 or 11 points. You know, you can see a backdoor for sure happening with a two-point conversion even if needed. So, uh, I, you know, home dog, you got the trend going for you in this situation. At the three and a half, I like it more than the three for sure uh, for the Giants. And now, finally, Buffalo versus the New York Jets on 9-11 in New York. The Jets are dogs by plus two and a half. The total is 46.5. I have to say that the Jets are going to be very motivated for this game, but so is Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo disrespected a little bit. They're still favorites here, but the Jets, you know, Aaron Rodgers, there's going to be some pressure. Brees Hall is probably not completely healthy. I'm not sure how many snaps he's going to get. I am concerned about the Jets' offensive line a little bit, but at the same time, you know, uh, the Buffalo Bills lost some big players like Tremaine Edmonds to the Bears. You know, they signed a few guys, Matt Milano, uh, Terrell Bernard to replace him. But, you know, more and more, this team isn't quite ready like it was last year. Von Miller is still on the shelf. Dorian Williams, their weak side linebackers hurt. They brought in Leonard Floyd, who's like a, a above average pass rusher, I would say, but not in too great. Ed Oliver's still there at left defensive tackle. But, you know, what do we know about uh, DeMar Hamlin? He's still not 100%. It looks like Micah Hyde should be starting, who is kind of questionable. Uh, Tredavious White and Christian Benford are the cornerbacks there. Situation where I don't have Buffalo as high as uh, other people. I am below the market on Buffalo, and I just think this is a lot closer to a pick'em in my in my opinion. I would certainly lean to the pick'em situation, especially with how big of the game this is in New York. I'm hoping that it could turn into a three. Uh, But, I mean, this is going to be another extremely popular teaser leg uh, 
uh, in this situation. So there you have it. To a recap real quick, the official play we are giving out is the Titans plus three in this situation. And obviously, if you also want to count that Giants, if you can get the plus three and a half, anything minus 120 or better, uh, that would be a play for you as well. But here is another one because we are getting into our refuse to lose teaser. Did fantastic last year. It finished 11, 6, and 1 from 2022. So what we are doing is going to go with the commanders down to minus 1. The commanders down to minus 1 with the Cleveland Browns up to plus 8.5. Kind of like what I said, this Browns game uh, really situation favors the Browns, uh, being that they are a... uh, Dog, a home dog in the situation, uh, 60% home, divisional dogs. Deshaun Watson's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. Cleveland always plays Cincinnati tough. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow has no practice really kind of coming in over the last few weeks. Certainly love them as a teaser leg. And man, I'm probably picking the most popular survivor play, which could absolutely kill me. But at the same time, even though if the Cardinals are trying, which I believe they are trying, they still have to be a Sam Howell team here. That has a lot of motivation, and and they've been playing with the chip on their shoulders as well uh, thus far. So uh, tease that one all the way down to one. Tease this all the way to plus eight and a half for two stars. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's goddamn right. All right, my friends. Now it's time for a little college football week two with our wonderful guest, Mr. Parker Fleming. Now I'm very excited to welcome for the first time Mr. Parker Fleming from Sumer Sports and the BetUS College Football Show to the Ozbreakers. You can follow him on Twitter at StatsOWar. Parker, been a big fan of yours for a long time. It was great meeting you a couple weeks ago in Vegas. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That was uh, that was a really fun event to get out there for sign up weekend and everything and network and meet people and uh yeah i, I appreciate that it was great to great to meet you and uh we sent a selfie to our friend uh, our mutual friend kyle hunter so <laughs> yeah. kind of nice to make those connections yeah <laughs> selfie at the pool i hope it made him jealous although it is summer where he's at so it's always a difference but man what a college football week one i mean uh, lots of things happened I, I enjoyed it very much how would you just describe uh this first week of college football that passed us I mean, I think the first word that comes to mind is explosive. You watch a game like uh, TCU and Colorado and you see a ton of points and not a lot of defense. It felt like it was the 2007 Big 12 all over again. And, uh, you know, coupled with Colorado and Texas State, I think interesting showing that there is a possible reversal of fortune in college football. You know, if you get aggressive and smart in the transfer portal, you can uh, really make some differences and make some changes. So that was that was um, the, the the big thing for me. And uh, I, I think we learned a lot in week one about some teams where there's high uncertainty. I felt I don't know if it's true for you, but I felt going into this college football season, I felt less certain of my numbers than I have in years, just because the the new reality of the transfer portal makes things so different for how teams can be year to year. 
Well, you just hit it right on the head there. It, it was massive uncertainty. I totally agree with you. And I, it even kind of pushed my research back a little bit more in college football than, than I used to do that first, then NFL. But I had to switch it this year because I knew more about NFL. I knew after the draft, I knew, you know, free agency signings. I had to kind of get ahead of those season win totals before. And I was, I was a bit late on, on college uh, football, but I wasn't really regretting it because look at the massive differences. I would call college football week one just fun. I mean, it was so yeah. it was so fun. It starts out well. At least the Saturday starts out with Dean and Sanders upset, upsetting TCU with after all the people talking bad about them, you know. And it's so funny to talk about the adjustment for the power rings because we know not to overreact. But my argument is like we didn't even know where to start this team, you know. So yes, you have to do yeah. something drastic, you know, drastic like. But we'll get into that game coming up, man. But it was just a, a, so electric because you have LSU beating uh, or losing to Florida State, and Florida State was the dog, and uh, it's, it felt like they had more fans there in Florida, there at Camping World Stadium. That's what I felt like. <laughs> and then of course the Clemson Duke game, you know, where people are almost penciled Clemson in to win, and Duke's like, no. Nah, uh, 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 Mike Elko and just taking care of business there and, uh, and, and, and making them look foolish. It was just amazing college football, man. Yeah, absolutely. Tons of fun. And I love, I love that they've done so well with the Labor Day weekend where you get the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games too. Very, very nice. Oh, they, yeah. They, I think the networks did a great job with the NCAA and, uh, in scheduling those games. I, I, I totally agree with you, but why don't you tell us and our listeners that might be new to you a little bit about you and a little bit about Sumer sports. Uh, how does it bring value to the marketplace? Yeah. So I've been with Sumer sports, uh, since, uh, last November. So coming up on eight months, I believe nine, 10, 10 months. I can do math. I promise. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, almost a year, not quite a year, but, uh, but yeah, and, and, and it's been a lot of fun. So it's outside of entirely the realm of, you know, gaming and, and gambling and, and betting. What we're doing over there is um, building tools for, for teams and, and for fans and for consumers to uh, understand the game of football better, uh, get, you know, have access to stats, have access to resources, um, that help you know make decisions and um, and and again be better you know better consumers of the game, but also specifically teams to help them maximize their, their roster uh, value and, and make those personnel decisions that are so important over the time over the long time horizon of building and maintaining an NFL team. So ton of smart people that I that I work with. Um, I'm I'm primarily. Uh, working to create uh, tools and projections and metrics that'll be public facing. So uh, we, we have a new website, sumersports.com. Um, if you get up there, we've got some stats on it. It's a little bit of a placeholder we're building out, but soon and, and all throughout the season, we'll be rolling out metrics and uh, all sorts of fun stuff for the NFL, which is cool because I've been a college football guy for so long and I'm getting to you know do some of the stats and data for the NFL, which is a lot of fun as, as well. So um, yeah, really, really, really great uh, group of folks, really smart group of people over there and uh, and building something really really cool and a lot of that will be public facing as well oh nice so it's going to have all of football right not just uh, college football it's going to have nfl and all the advanced stats and metrics that we can enjoy on a day-to-day basis yeah starting starting with nfl for now and we're working on building out some college tools as well uh, that's obviously where my more my passion lies but uh yeah and the designers made it look awesome there and so we've got some articles um, and then we've got, you know, some stats and some, uh, some visualizations for you up there just to, you know, we, we've simulated the NFL season a couple times. We've, uh, looked at how players are usage. There's a whole page about personnel and usage and, um, adjusted yards per route run. So lot, lots of fun stuff there. No, totally. What's the zone here? I click on the zone. Uh, 
the zone is the uh the articles and podcasts specifically okay so we'll absolutely plug them we have um a lineup of three podcasts this fall one of them is our kind of flagship show the super sports show that has eric eager uh formerly of pff dr eric Eager, and um uh thomas dimitrov who is the uh GM for the Falcons for a long time. They are talking about the NFL, and that is some of the deepest football content that I think is on the internet. It's pretty great. Uh, must must listen to. They're going two weeks, two times a week, and then uh, on Tuesdays we'll have a stats and scheme podcast. That is um, uh, Sean Sayed, our, our our director of communications, who does really great with you know scheme, and then Tay Seth, my colleague, who does a bunch of data stuff. They'll be talking about the NFL, and then on Thursdays we'll have my podcast called Odd Man Front, which will be my first ever NFL podcast, where I'll kind of talk about how to think about the game and, uh, and looking through metrics and everything kind of doing recaps and previews. So a lot of fun stuff over there on, on the sumer sports uh, website. And those will all be on our YouTube channels and everything as well. No, oh, it looks kind of cool, man. Look at this. Uh, you got the league table yeah. here. You have a strength to schedule before and a strength schedule after. I kind of like yeah. that. I like that idea. I like breaking it up because before yeah. we don't know. And then after you can kind of figure out whether this team a little bit worse or better. I see that all the time where the projected great schedules aren't really where they finish, but it should be something kind of evolving throughout the, throughout the season so i love that division title percentage playoff percentage total wins predicted uh the bye week uh by by percentage oh, this is this is all great stuff i'm sure some of that's going to be covered as well um on that podcast so i'm excited to get into that but this kind of leads me to your site a little bit cfb graphs it's CFB actually dash graphs, and I've been using it for for a while now. Since I probably since you've incepted it, but I enjoy some of the EPA stats on that. Could you explain to our listeners what EPA is and how you use it as a predicting model for uh, sports success? Yeah, well, one full disclaimer: I'm a little bit behind. A lot going on right now, and uh, I, as soon as we're done on this podcast, my objective tonight is to get CFB graphs turned over for the 2023 season. But uh, so these are 2022 stats. But um, EPA is is a really good metric that is descriptive. It looks back and kind of helps us understand what happened for a team. Um, and it, it, the elevator pitch is really simple. It answers the question um, that, you know, it answers the problem that three yards on first and 10 is bad, but three yards on third and three is good, right? EPA converts yards to points in context, helps us understand the value of a play. It's success and explosiveness, efficiency and explosiveness in one metric, almost like an on-base percentage, right? Not just how often are you, uh, you're a weighted on-base percentage, not just how often are you getting on base, but what's right. the value of those on-base plays? Wo- so um, yeah, just a nice way to look at it. You're right. Just a, just a, a WOBA. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And so basically it kind of shows where teams might be a little bit undervalued due to some bad turnover luck or possibly um, something happened in the red zone. Maybe their field goal kicker isn't up to speed. Uh, maybe when you take a look at these, you can kind of pick off some teams that have a high PA or high EPA, right? Rather than, yeah. um, and maybe a poor record or something, something similar. Yeah, yeah. I think if you if you scroll down a little bit on there, you can see teams like a, a Toledo that has you know notoriously bad special teams. Um, I don't even know where they are, but they have a, a relatively higher EPA, yeah, thirty six, uh, yeah, per play. And you know they're what seven and five, and they're thirty six in EPA per play. Again, that's descriptive. That's just it's like it's like net yards per play or something. It's not um, not predictive there per se. But they're thirty eighth, right? They move the ball pretty well on offense and defense. The special teams is really killing. That's what's really that's what's really hurting them, and so you can identify some of these guys, you know, for gambling perspective or even watching perspective, who aren't as good at the, at the down to down business of moving the football, or who are better at the down to down business of moving the football, but but special teams is kind of making a difference one way or the other. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sample size is everything, too. So don't feel too down on yourself that's only been week one and you still don't have this stuff up because I, you know, <laughs> I, like I tell people, it's just like, like looking at yards per play right now against uh, uh, the fact that Notre Dame played two cupcakes. You know, it's like it's, it's those situations like I can't use these stats just yet, but there's going to be a point to right. use these stats. But that actually leads me into my next question that I kind of talked to you a little bit about when we were in Vegas, man. I talked about a potential strength of schedule adjustment maybe being added to your EPA numbers. Now, strength schedule is never perfect, uh, but at least kind of tells you something that, hey, uh, they played some cupcakes. We, this, is, this isn't their true power of blowing away t- bad teams by 40 points. Is that something that can be applied to your EPA numbers or other stats, or should it be applied as well? Yeah. So, well, it, it depends, right? I think, I think a lot of people want to see a stat and they want it to be predictive and they want to say, if they have X and they have Y, X minus Y equals Z, that's the difference between these two teams, right? And the thing about college football is there, there, there's a ton of stylistic heterogeneity. And by that, I just mean teams are doing a lot of different things, not only one team from the other team, but on a week to week basis, teams are doing a lot of different things to try to maximize and, um, and optimize given given constraints. So very, very noisy data. Um, in terms of opponent adjustments, I favor a couple things. So one, if we're just that what I've chosen to do this year, uh, because just so many people ask, and it's so annoying to me, is I've made my opponent adjusted EPA per play. Uh, that, that's the one I'm going with. That's what I'm putting on the stat previews. That's one that'll be on the website here. And basically what it does is just say, here's the entire universe of college football. Let's make some connections based on uh, conference association, and let's just say, how well did you do? Basically, it's it's effectively relative to the rest of uh, how everyone else did against this team, right? Right. And kind of adjusts based on that. So that right there is, um, it, it does tend to remove some of these outliers. It does pull a lot of the G5 teams way down. Um, and so that, I mean, that helps in terms of those. It's not perfect. You'll still get like last year, Marshall, JMU, teams that just absolutely dominated on defense for a good part of their season. Um, it, they're going to be higher up in that metric because it's just hard to, you know, it's hard to uh, argue that they didn't play super, super well, right. even if that's not predictive. So that that public facing adjustment, I think just kind of smooths some of the outliers, scratches the itch for people, makes it make a little more sense. I'm of the opinion that I don't really need to hold someone's hand and say, hey, Alabama would probably beat James Madison, even if James Madison's EPA per play is a little higher, right? Like, we know that. We know that's going to be different. But there are people who want it. you know, fans want to compare things on Twitter and, and, all, and looking for edges and all that. So um, I, I do a little bit of opponent adjustment. For my metric that, can, that predicts scores and everything, um, I do uh, a slight opponent adjustment that's different. And I adjust for rushing and passing selection. Um, and so teams rush and pass a little bit differently. Uh, and we know certain elements of college football are a little more predictive. We know that, for instance, passing and being successful in passing on first and second down is a lot more predictive than getting a lot of third and fourth down conversions uh, in a game. So if you win a game by passing a bunch uh, on early downs, I'm going to say, hey, you're a pretty good offense. I think that's going to translate. If you win a game by rushing on late downs uh, against a bad team, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that's not going to translate as well. You probably can't do that. You know, uh, Alabama can line up and run over New Mexico State. That doesn't mean that Alabama can line up and run over Georgia, right? So we've got to account for kind of the fact that you are rushing says something about your passing ability as well. Well, that's that's very interesting. And you said there's a predictor, uh, a score predictor that you're adding to this site. 
I'm uh, I put them in my stat previews that are on Twitter. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And those go out every every week. Yeah. Um, again, I'm I'm a one man shop and uh, <laughs> a little behind the eight ball here. Ideally, those will be on the website as well. Timelines TV. <laughs> oh no, no, totally, totally. I just want to know what to expect for yeah. it. So, and you said you're going to yeah. have an opponent adjusted segment um, as well. Is that going to also be on your Twitter then? The opponent. Yeah, adjusted I'm going to throw away the raw. Uh, I'm not going to put the raw up there. I'm going to put the opponent adjusted up there. Oh, on this um, on, on this yeah. site. Okay, great. Yeah, on CFB graphs. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And then you probably put a little disclaimer on it. No, that's great. And uh, you know, sometimes yeah. it's important to know that. And it, you know, there's different functions that kind of live and grow as each game's play. You know, every strength of schedule changes after each game. You know, so uh, that yeah. kind of uh, uh, I suppose learning type of algorithm is necessary these days when it comes to uh, having good actually accurate models so that's great stuff parker thank you for uh all answering all those questions man but i'm excited to get into college football and all this uh fun stuff that we like to get into now the problem is parker you know it's fine if i was thinking i was like man maybe i should have had parker on it when we had some better data points you know but uh, you know what the hell we still got stuff from last year and we still have games to talk about i yeah. cer- certainly might be knocking on your door again but you know you kind of come into it when we actually have a little bit of a sample size to go by and i think this stuff's very important right now it's very power rating base for me uh kind of where we start and you know try to find little efficiencies within the metrics of the run in the past and where teams you know might not be able to stop the other team at all but why don't we get into some games then we'll start with texas state versus utsa and on our betfred odds screen utsa is minus 13 13 and a half that thing's growing i wrote 12 and a half when i was doing this this morning as you can see uh total is 66.5 so now this is a game that I very much did consider Parker, um, it w- and this is when it was sixty three and a half. And I talked to Kyle a little bit about it too. I'm like, hey, what's your number? We were both like closer to sixty six, but um, unfortunately, I didn't get to it. And actually, it's not unfortunate in a way because there's a few reasons why I didn't get to it. It's you know a small difference, sixty three point five, sixty six, two and a half points. It's when you get to those you know bigger. T- higher totals you want a little bit more juice than that if it was a 44 then yeah two and a half points is great but it's certainly the variance adds up as the total adds up so uh texas state for one is in a letdown spot parker and, and you know i i know it's early and you're not supposed to really talk about letdowns as much but hey they beat baylor they beat a big team they beat a in-state rivalry type team that's supposed to be better than them in the big 12 and they definitely changed a lot of things uh, they will play fast, but I'm not sure if they're they're going to bounce back from this. UTSA comes off a loss, you know, and they outperformed Houston in the box score, at least from a yards per play position. They got more yards per play, uh, and they only allowed 4.6 to Houston. Houston just won the game. They lost it on turnovers, which is the most probably prominent misleading final score is usually the turnovers that's where it all really starts but um i think that utsa's defense did improve they held them to 17 points even with some of the bad turnovers so this could translate into this game and i think utsa could shut them down um i was gonna think more to the side when this was sitting at 11 and a half 12 and a half it's getting up to 13 and a half my number's 14 and a half though so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a lean on texas state at minus 13 13 and a half what are your thoughts on this uh, a lean on UTSA at minus thirty. I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant UTSA. No, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. yeah, you're good. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I was gonna say I agree, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's smart. One again, you know, this in college football, it's always frustrating to like 
you know, we do the show on Tuesday, Wednesday, and yeah. by Tuesday, the lines are already starting cooked. I think um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I read I read this offseason logic of sports betting, the, the book, and he said, like, Tuesday, betting on Tuesday is, is akin to saying, like, everyone else smart has already made their choices, but I can make the smarter choice. So a little bit, you know, watching those lines <laughs> move, you're like, eh, dang it. Um, yeah, one thing that stood out to me, one, worst game of Frank Harris's career last year, and they still, or last week, and they still could have won against Houston. Uh, you know, three, three just staring down interceptions looked way off, and um, they still, you know, could have gotten the ball back at that spot at right. the end and, and still been able to win. Um, one thing that I'm looking for with this, I, I don't think that Baylor has the offense or a dude like Quintez Cephas. Um, he's 45.2% target share. Um, I mean, they, they just went to him and were like, let's go, let's go. Go, let's go. Texas State, uh, Ford Dement and uh, and Eaton got cooked last week. They, they gave up 13.6 and 14.8 yards per on 17, um, uh, 17 passes from Baylor. So I think UTSA bounced back, absolutely able to extend um, extend this Texas State defense. And I, I think they'll score, but I think that, that you know, the, the UTSA secondary is a little bit more experienced than we think. They didn't play poorly last week against Houston at all. A lot of that was on the offense. So uh, I like that one a lot. 13 gets a little big, but you know, uh, I, I, I would be inclined towards a lean towards UTSA there too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so it looks like we're both on the same page. It's just so close here. And it's also really early. You know, I also need a little bit of a bigger difference in my power ratings here sometimes when I'm looking at these games as well. Well, let's move on to the next game then. Yeah. We have a lean to USTSA at the 13. Let's go to Illinois versus Kansas. Kansas is about minus three, a little bit of juice on that. And the total is 45. Why don't you take this one away? Yeah, I'm interested in this uh, in this Illinois Kansas game specifically because Jalen Daniels didn't play last week and he's coming back. And I think Kansas's ability to uh, put you know just to make explosives happen out of thin air is really really interesting. Illinois forced 12 contested targets uh, last week against Toledo, a game they barely escaped, and allowed seven completions on that. Um, Kansas only three only three contested targets last week, and it was Missouri State. It doesn't matter, but I'm saying they. Uh, they want to get guys open. They want to scheme open. They want to make you choose, hey, are you going to run up and try to defend Jalen Daniels and let him pass it over you? Or are you going to sit back and let him get some yards on the ground? Um, and and so I'm, I'm pretty interested in Kansas's explosiveness, especially with Jalen Daniels coming uh, back. A skinner for KU, 21.4 target share, 19.3 yards per reception last week. It's super efficient. They, they, he's emerging kind of as their main dude can go get the ball. Um, and I, I'm really, really interested in the run game. Uh, last week, Kansas, 6.2 yards per carry, 3.21 yards after carry. Illinois allowed to Toledo, 5.2 yards per carry and 2.92 uh, and up with four runs of 10 plus yards. Kansas explosiveness here, I think tips the needle. Illinois defense, we expected them to backslide a little bit without Walters, without those NFL dudes. And who among us wouldn't backslide losing uh, DC like Ryan Walters and a couple <laughs> NFL dudes. But I like Kansas in this spot with Jalen Daniels returning. Big game for the uh, preseason Big 12 offensive uh, first team all conference quarterback Jalen Daniels. Oh my God, one hundred percent! I'm so excited for Jalen Daniels to come back. I thought he, I, I thought he was going to play this game, but he never did. So that was uh, this last game. But it was, it shouldn't matter because they didn't play um, that much tough competition. And Bean was really good. You know, I mean, that was fine. We, you know, you did, yeah. you did a fine job there, uh, man. Um, it's so funny because Illinois. I thought that was the more exciting later game. I mean, I mean, you had UCLA or USC was blowing their team out. Uh, UCLA had a good handle of uh, Coastal Carolina, but this was a close game. So I was actually watching Illinois Toledo last week, man, and I thought it was a, a, yeah. an, an exciting end. But but both of these teams, 
you can't get much from this Southwest Missouri State game. You don't know. Um, and I'm still worried about Kansas's defense. Now, don't get me wrong. I was all over Kansas's win total last year. I loved him. I loved the coach, Lance Leopold. He used to coach at UW-Whitewater. I went to school, I was going to school in Madison. Uh, he uh, you know, obviously went to Buffalo, and that was great. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, so um, my power rings, unfortunately, have a 2.75 number, and this is at the three. I don't trust it as much because, like you said, I think the explosive plays lean Kansas. And um, I, I just kind of see Kansas on that upper trajectory. I think that Illinois did lose a lot. Uh, Luke Altmeyer last week against Toledo was just okay. And he had the crowd behind him during the comeback and everything. And uh, Toledo fumbled the ball. It was just... He looked competent at the end of the game, but there's nothing that blew me away. I think that Illinois' crutch is probably playing a guy like Jalen Daniels, so I'm going to strong lean to Kansas at minus three with you. I think that that yeah. makes sense. Uh, what's this total at now? Um, is it still 45, or is it um, – that's Let's pretty see. low if it was. Uh, no, sorry, I wrote it down wrong, 58. Yeah, I was like looking at – I was like, why did I write 45? No, it's a, it, this total is probably a little bit closer because it's like what wins over, uh, Illinois' defense or Kansas's offense, right? If it's Kansas's offense and Illinois can't be stopped either, it's 58. But here's the thing. Illinois doesn't want to play Kansas's game. Parker they they want to keep right. it slow so you're going to see a little bit of a pace war I think in this game which is which is very interesting but it's a wonderful game I'm going to hopefully have it on one of my TVs and uh, watch it when it happens but let's get into another game and this game I bet on every year I feel because it's just always a dog plus three or more Iowa versus Iowa State Iowa State is plus four the total is a Kyle Hunter special at 36.5, man. It is so low. You're not going to see a lot of offense here. I think this kind of would put in your uh, whole, whole like, passing offense on first and second down. Well, uh, the stats yep. don't like <laughs> Iowa so much in this, you know. That's uh, what yeah, I think yeah. about them. And I think these two coaches, uh, Campbell and, uh, and obviously uh, Ferenc, they know each other so well. You know, these these guys uh, have been playing against each other for a long time. Neither team impressed me that much, Parker. Neither did. Iowa might have been worse even at 4.12 yards per play against Utah State than uh, Northern Iowa was against Iowa State, you know. And I, I almost think that Iowa State overperformed Iowa if you look at kind of both and uh, a pane of glass. But the, the low total always makes dogs look a lot better, too. You know, 36 and a half. This thing's still at four. I don't know why it's still at four. I think this should be coming down by game time. The last five matchups, Parker, the dog has covered four of them. Okay. So it's just this situation. Like last year, Iowa is the dog at four. I took Iowa and they won an outright. You know, it's just I, I'm always going to play this game this way. I think this is too close of a game to have anything past the three. My power rings only have this about a one point spread for Iowa in Ames. Ames is a tough place to play. I'm taking Iowa State plus four. This is going to be a larger play for me at three stars, Parker. Nice. I, I, I um, yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I like the logic behind it. Uh, um, I, I don't know what Iowa's doing. Like, 
Is it possible that Kirk Ferenc sees this contract about 25 points per game and says, you can't tell me what to do. I don't care. Like you thought they would have scored more last year. They need a point. Um, I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know that they can expect uh, any, any different behavior. Yeah. This game always comes down to, you know, a punt return or something, uh, something, something dumb. One thing that I'm looking at that I'm interested in Iowa state. So I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the big 12. That's where I really live. And um, Iowa state, I thought was due for a little bit of a bounce back with Hunter Deckers at quarterback and eh, it looks like you know that's not gonna happen so um I, I'm interested in kind of what they're putting out there on offense knowing that there's a huge hole and I, again just looking last week I think people thought they looked good but I don't know you know they've started slow in FCS openers uh four or five years in a row now this is the first time they didn't what they really did was just kind of run over a team but not super convincingly Cartavius Norton for Iowa State 4.5 yards per attempt 3.73 of those on average were after contact but he only had a long of 17 so it's not like that's inflated by some you know one big pop-off explosive run right. just means he was getting chunk yards because the first person couldn't tackle him because it was an fcs school i don't know if that's sustainable against iowa my number has this more like iowa four four and a half i don't want to touch it but for exactly the logic that you put out there because it makes me nervous this game's always weird it comes down to a special teams thing so i can totally understand the logic of under and of taking the dog in this game because that's just how it seems to go uh you know what they say about rivalry games too you gotta throw the numbers out the window right and uh sometimes and this is definitely a case of it so i i, I totally am vibing with what you're saying but maybe i'm just a coward i don't i don't i don't i don't want to touch this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, most rivalry games will throw the numbers out the window. There's been a few exceptions in the past, but uh, yeah, yeah. especially for a while, Ohio State, Michigan, but then that obviously just flipped two years ago. Yeah. So that was one that the numbers didn't matter either. But let's uh, let's talk about another game that you picked, and this is going to be a real exciting game. It's uh, Texas A&M versus Miami, and Miami looks like they're about a 4.5 home dog. The total on this game is 51. I'll let you get started on this one, Parker. Yeah, so uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit in my favor here. I I loved how Texas A&M moved the ball last week. Wegman was great, eighty one point eight adjusted completion percentage. And again, FCS school. But what's the big question about Texas A&M this year? Are they going to be able to simplify Jimbo's offense and make his playbook from this big? To this big, and it looks like Petrino's doing that. A quarterback can digest it a little bit more and and helping him out there. So as Jimbo, insofar as Jimbo Fisher is embracing the CEO role and and delegating some of that day to day stuff to Bobby Petrino, I think they can move the ball really really well. Um, Evan Stewart is trouble, man. Four point four two yards per route run. That's just like a productivity metric, right? Of like how how frequently you were involved and how productive you were. Four is god tier in college football. It's like you're amazing, and and he is just very productive when he's on the field. Um, and uh, I, I, the thing that worries me about Miami is being able to, to um, pace up. I think they made a good hire at defensive coordinator, gave them a positive bump there. I think they're due for some regression. Um, on offense last year, maybe some positive regression. Tyler Van Dyke was fine, but when they had to play Garcia, man, uh, uh, Garcia's pressure to sack ratio was almost two and a half times larger than Tyler Van Dyke's like same amount of pressure they just could not handle it and and I think that kind of underwhelms or uh sorry casts uh uh some aspersions over the rest of their season with Van Dyke healthy I think they're a different team but uh I don't I don't love their weapons George and Restrepo are like a nice one-two punch uh I just don't know they have enough mix to keep up with Texas A&M scoring here so if this was an A&M I'd, ha I'd be very 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 strong on Texas A&M but uh it, given that it's on the road uh I, I'm gonna be a little more cautious about it but still strongly lean towards A&M here <laughs> 
Man, I think we called this the disappointment bowl last year when they played because both teams were just <laughs> disgustingly disappointing. And uh, yep. it's so funny that how bad Miami uh, finished last year. It was bad. It was just pathetic. But what the way they finished last year and the fact that I have to make an adjustment in my power ratings, they were one of the bigger adjustments up because I had them so low last year, Parker. I think the team kind of gave up almost in a way last year. Van Dyke was out and everything, like you mentioned. Um, both teams, but you can say the same thing about Jimbo Fisher, man. He was terrible at the end of the year. His expectations were even close mm-hmm. to being met. I think he had one big upset last year. He always gets that one upset. I can't remember. Was it Bama? Yeah. He won again? It was someone like that. Uh they- they won an Arkansas game where they were down two scores, I think. Uh-huh. And KJ Jefferson stuck the ball out at the goal line to go yeah. up. Maybe it was to go up two scores. And he fumbled it and they ran it back and then they came back and won. So there was a game that they had no business winning that they just got back in. And so I think that was the one that I had circled as like, oh, I can't believe they won this game. I was on Arkansas that game, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, Me too. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> you remember the play. We remember the losses and not the wins so much. Um, okay, okay. They beat LSU on November 26th. Uh, that's what that's they right. did. Yeah, yeah. The, number 16 USA. But they did keep with Bama 20 to 24 last year when Bama was going through some issues. But um, still was a loss, of course. But, yeah, they're just a weird team. They, they, they constantly underachieve. But I will say that Miami has recruited pretty well the last few years. Do they keep their guys? I don't know. A little. They, they've been keeping a decent amount of them. They've lost some. But um, the problem is I have them not so far from each other. So I'm not at four and a half. I'm at my power rings are at two. You know, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like but, – but it's also – a game where my confidence level is low. It's not, it's, I think my confidence level on Iowa, Iowa state is way higher than my confidence level on this, right? It's almost like the bears versus the Packers this week. I'm even a bears fan. I have no idea what I'm going to get out of these two teams. You know, I I really have no idea. So I have a low confidence on it, which mean that, which would mean I need a really big difference in my power ranks to make a, make a play. But I'll, I'll have a little disagreement with you. I'll just lean Miami just based on my power ratings, but it's hard for me to, hard for me to trust that Parker. So we'll see how uh, it's going to be an exciting game to find out a little bit about these teams though next week. So I'm, I'm pumped for it for sure. Let's move on to another game that you picked Notre Dame versus NC state, NC state plus seven and a half. The total is 51. I actually did play this game. I'll let you go first and see if we line up Parker. <laughs> um. I am of the opinion that UConn kind of punked NC State's front seven last week. 170 rushing yards, 3.0 yards after contact. Audric Estime for Notre Dame is not going to go down that easily. I think that their rushing ability for Notre Dame, a lot better than last year behind this offensive line. Sam Hartman, even if I didn't love uh, some aspects of his play in the Navy game, I think gives them so much more on the top end on offense that really frees them up to have a high rushing floor with Estime and then be able to challenge you vertically given that nc state was struggling a little bit with uconn um i i especially defensively i'm inclined to believe notre dame is going to put up some points here on the nc state side um brennan armstrong wasn't hitting deep balls last week and that's kind of what you brought him in to do um of his 155 yards 40.6 came on passes at or behind the line of scrimmage their leading receiver was the running back which is not what you want in a kind of tune-up we're playing a g5 game here so i think that there's going to be a learning curve for armstrong and 
and an eye to get the groove back together there for offense. I like Notre Dame's upside here. I'm going to ride with the Irish. I'm you good. are riding the Irish. Oh, brutal. Because I did take NC State, but I took him for a certain reason. I actually yeah. liked what Brennan Armstrong did with his legs. I upgraded UConn and NC State from that game. I thought UConn looked Ooh, good, okay. too. So it was, it was just one of those yeah. rare upgrade both teams kind of from what you saw now i could be completely freaking wrong i mean at least i'm on the right side because at least yukon went from plus five to plus three and this went from plus nine to plus seven and a half so it's kind of like the market it looks like both of these separate games yukon's playing um uh i forgot who, uh louisiana i believe uh someone like that and then and then so it looks like both of them kind of got a boost from the market at least from the opening numbers a couple things that Nuggets I pulled out. Since 2016, Dave Duran is 7-6 and six against the spread as a home dog. I think that's interesting. Um, Sam Hartman looked awesome, and he deserves some of the Heisman talk he's getting. But who did he play, man? And this Navy team starts out terrible every single year. They played absolutely nobody last week. I think that could possibly hurt them on the road a little bit. I think Brendan Armstrong with his legs was just an interesting little... I guess uh, uh, that maybe maybe possible way they can backdoor this thing, you know, if, if they're in a bad position. Now, I'm not in love with the play. It wasn't a big play of mine. Uh, I took it at nine. I gave it out for free at seven and a half. It's still at seven and a half. So it looks like the market's kind of kosher on it right now. I, I don't know which way this is going to go. I, I've, I've talked to some sharper people that have this at like nine points, eight points, you know, right in the middle. I'm a little bit below seven, yeah. so that's why I took it. But um, maybe. Maybe this is this this is going to tell us a lot about Sam Hartman. I think for this year, I, I will say Dave Duran has played Sam Hartman in the past quite a few times when he was at Wake, so that makes me wonder if he kind of knows a way to stop him or not. That you could argue that both ways for Sam Hartman, though. But um, a little disagreement on this game, which is great too. We love disagreements sometimes, especially you're in the season when no one knows <laughs> exactly yeah. what these yeah. teams are doing. Uh, yeah, strong strong opinions weekly held early in the season. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, weekly. Yeah. Totally. Now, well, let's move on to maybe the biggest morning game, another big morning game because it involves the same team, and you have Nebraska versus Colorado. Colorado is minus three. The total is 59. Uh, I believe that's where it still is. It's uh, You know what's so funny? The, all the texts I got, Parker, and tweets about, why well, if this is only two or three, well, I'm just going to bet my mortgage on Colorado. It's just stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, man. That's not what I want to hear because that's that means it's not going to move for me. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I'm going to be completely. I'm fishing for a middle here. I, I see one and a half. Okay, I expected it to go to three and a half. I don't know if I'm. It's still going to go there, but I expected to put the, the same or more money on Nebraska at three and a half. Okay, I think three is a probably a very solid market number. Um, I, the truth is, we didn't know where to start Colorado. That is so true. And I moved them probably more than any other team I've ever moved in my power ranks because I had them started really low because I didn't know I was just listening to sharper yeah. people and and stuff like that and uh, but you know I I just figured I have to start them more but it's funny I still have them a nudge under Nebraska you know um and Nebraska it's not like that they have a bad coach they have a really good dog coach and Matt Rule and this is was their big rivalry these teams in the Big Twelve uh, Big Eight they used to be rivals forever right. Uh, Colorado and Nebraska. They, you know, they used to play each other all the time. And I I just feel like this could be a little harder than 
Colorado fans think just because they beat a rebuilding TCU fan. And I know you love your your uh, Horned Frogs, my friend. Uh, I, I disliked them ever since I was at the Rose Bowl in 2011, just to let you know, by the way. I kind of kind of broke were you my... physically? Were you physically at the I Rose Bowl? I was physically at the Rose Bowl. I was, uh, I was there, too. That's uh, cool, yeah. You, you lucky, you lucky <laughs> best. Probably a real TCU fan, because everyone else was just Texas Longhorns fans with TCU hats on that day. But uh... Yeah, well, before the Rose Bowl, it was if you didn't get into Texas, you went to TCU. Changed a little bit after that, but uh, that, was, that was how it was before the Rose Bowl. So. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense, uh, but uh, but it's funny. It's like I felt like there was a, a lot of you guys out there. It was very. It was JJ Watt's last game, and of course, I think it was Tolzien yeah. with that stupid battered pass at the end that just took us out. I was just so disappointed. But hey, congrats to you. It was a it was a long bus ride home back because um, as a Badger fan, you know, I, I expected them to win, and I, I was actually at the Oregon yeah. one the year after after with Russell Wilson. Now I was not disappointed that we oh, lost nice. that game. It was just a fun game to be at. That was one of the best Rose yeah. Bowls that I've had. So I did go to back to back Rose Bowls. But anyway, going back to this game, uh, this is a terrible spot parker a terrible spot for colorado the amount of emotion spent in beating a completely revamped tcu team was just immense and you could see through colorado's defense that they can be definitely scored on if they have a couple hiccups on offense you have nebraska coming off a heartbreaking loss with extra time to prep you know with a great coach and Matt Rule, with an experienced quarterback in Sims, you might see a winning team here in Nebraska and completely shock it. But that's why we love college football. It's because of this situation right here. I am going to be playing back. I'm looking for a middle. I, If anything, I would have more on the Nebraska side. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I, I definitely lean Nebraska here. And it's again, it's not a vote against Colorado. Love what they're doing. I think great. Uh, something we've never seen. Very interesting. I'm uh, sort of lamenting the first American athletic conference coach who cut 60 of his guys trying to do a rebuild and screws the program <laughs> forever. Uh, I remember in, uh, I think it was 2019, I was at Big 12 Media Days and David Beatty at Kansas looked me in the eyes. It was like, there were 36 guys on the team when I got here and six of them walked out as soon as I opened my mouth. Like, <laughs> if you get in a roster hole, you're screwed. So good luck trying to do the transfer thing. It's, if you go that big, you got to make sure you hit. And Prime Prime did hit with, with obviously, with Hunter and, and with Shadur. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is a very unsustainable performance um, from, from Colorado, specifically a couple things. TC's offensive line, very poor, um, and, and really could not get a, um, a, a consistent push when Colorado decided to take away the rush. So uh, TC was averaging, what, 7.7, I think, uh, yards per attempt uh, before they, you know, stacked the box and said, B is passing, and TCU couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up there. They threw a couple of interceptions in the red zone that probably would have swung that game. Uh, it's raining very loud outside. Sorry, you can hear that on the, that was uh, awesome. on the thing behind me. <laughs> um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, 18 missed tackles by TC's defense. TC's defense missing some athletes. Uh, could not get a rush at all. Could not pressure him. On pressured dropbacks for Shudder Sanders, he a time to throw 4.18 seconds. He could read a book. He could make a sandwich back there. Nebraska is going to disrupt him. I think the defense is better than TCU's. On the other side of things, I think Nebraska will be able to run 6.3 yards per attempt, 4.3 yards after contact against Minnesota. I expect this to be an equalization game for, for Colorado a little bit just because Nebraska is much more balanced than TCU. Okay, we have agreement on this one, so that's, that's good. Um, do you think that there's enough play – on Colorado to push this up. Um, 
I don't. I, I think there's going to be. I, I think it's going to be a minus three point five, minus one twenty. I think it's going to be plus th- or plus three point five on the Nebraska side, minus one twenty. I think that's the best I'm going to get. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, 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 I'm always a skeptic. I'm always a cynic. But these reports about like you know this is the most betting that's ever been done on this or whatever the numbers you know more than NFL teams, all this stuff. There's not a lot of accountability with that needing to be true. And I yeah, think yeah. there's probably a lot of nuance with that. So I don't know how much play is actually on this game. I know it's getting a lot of action. A lot of people are, I mean, if the comments of the BetUS show today are any indication, people <laughs> love to bet on Colorado. They're all about it. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I honestly, at this point, would be surprised if it got to three and a half. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right. Well, good stuff, man. Uh, I cannot wait to watch the game, though. It's going to be a nice early one. So get your coffee ready for this one. Um, all right. Well, hey, let's go a little hodgepodge real quick since we have a couple minutes. Um, here, I was like, man, Kent State's terrible. I mean, freaking terrible. And Arkansas is laying like 38 against them, right? Um, I am seriously considering betting Arkansas. And it's not like Arkansas is a juggernaut, but I saw a, a Kent State team that should lose to most FCS teams right now. And they look that bad to me. I, I, I just I just don't see them scoring much against Arkansas. I know Arkansas likes to put on some points when they have the opportunity. This could be one of those situations here. I, I'm just just throwing it out there. Sometimes teams are so bad you can't even power rate them so bad. Kind of like Alabama was for years. It's like I can't even power rate them high enough because the game's over in the third quarter, right? It's like this almost feels the same way on the opposite, Parker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a rough situation. They got just absolutely plundered. And then, I mean, good for Sean Lewis, their coach, going out to Colorado and, and getting his due. He's he's great. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at what they put up against John Reese Plumley running last week, and you think uh, KJ Jefferson's a little bit bigger, a little more physical than John Reese Plumley. Um, I think I think that's a really bad two game stretch for Kent State. And what I would do is as uh, you know, as trying to fade them down the stretch because they're a team I have circled to fade. Uh, that cumulative effect just gets worse and worse, and the the will to you know score and get that backdoor cover is going to continue to wane. I think for Kent State. Yeah, I I, I was thinking that too. It's uh, just a situation where I don't even think they can backdoor. Uh, a second string Arkansas team out there, you know, no, uh, no. And, and you know, oh, these man, seconds, it is really, really bad. Second string will fight and they'll play hard. You know, that's another promise. Like sometimes yeah. you put, play the other side, hoping that they'll put them their third string. Well, sometimes the third string is better than the first string. So that's interesting. Uh, App state, North Carolina, this thing dropped to 58. Now this total, it was at 60 and a half. I'll consider an overplay on this one. This one was electrifying uh, a couple years ago. Was it last year? Maybe it was last year or the year before. Uh, I have to look. But uh, yeah, yeah, last year, so a ton, ton of overtimes and uh, and a close game. A game that for my NC State uh, futures, I had an under last year and uh, was unhappy with. Yeah, I, I think the question is, I don't know what you did with your power ratings. Did you move South Carolina offense down more, or did you move UNC defense up more both, after this weekend? Both. I did both. Yeah. Really. So that was the important move. I think uh, you got to look at yeah. the fact that uh, and North Carolina's was better on defense, but you can't completely trust that because South Carolina has just a bad tendency to start really bad, and Rattler's just untrustable. Yeah. And, and so um, I think that App State just has the knack for beating uh, or actually competing with a team like North Carolina and being able to put up the points. And you know North Carolina's going to put up the points. You know, you, you can think team total if you want to. I'm not completely against yeah. the team total, but you're looking at 40 to 20. It'd be like 39 to 21 to get to 60 so 38 to 20 
would be the team total at 18. So you're looking at over 38 points for North Carolina. That's the yeah. only way I would look uh, on a team total size. Probably, God, they both seem a little small to me. I, I mean, uh, that's why kind of that's why I'm kind of looking to over 58. So just I know Kyle's our totals guy, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I like I like that, and certainly I'm much more the team total guy than than an overs than than than, than an absolute game over. And I like UNC there. It's a way to, um, it's uh, it's a way to bet on um, the over without being accountable for App State just laying an egg or UNC's defense being real. So with uncertainty on both sides of those, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, Troy getting points against uh, Kansas State is interesting too. Was this the upset last year? Was it Troy that beat him last year? I thought it was uh, beat Kansas State. Um, I'll have to look. Real no, quick. Too, uh, wasn't it Tulane? Maybe it was. Okay, maybe it was Tulane. I, I knew it started with a T. <laughs> one of the one of the good teams uh, yeah. from last year that won their conferences, Troy and Tulane. But um, yeah, yeah I, Tulane seventeen to ten was the final score. Okay, well Troy, you know they had a bad showing against Stephen F. Austin, only won forty eight to thirty. I guess I didn't watch the game, so I don't know if this was garbage points at the end or nothing. But they sure returned a good amount of production. And last year, I mean, they were fantastic last year. A little bit ugly in their bowl game against UTSA. But, you know, the way they beat Coastal Carolina and everything. But I I just find this a fascinating game for Kansas State. It's almost like Kansas State's kind of like, well, geez, now we have to play Troy. You know, I got Missouri. I got Missouri on deck, which is at least an SEC team. And Troy's kind of in the way. So, um, I mean, this is just a situation. I'm getting double digits with Troy, a pretty good one. I don't think my power rankings even line up. Um, what, which way would you go on this? I think the spread was, what, 15 and a half, 16, something like that? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen uh, I think it was 17 and moved a little bit um, towards, towards Kansas State. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the situation they were in last year with Oklahoma and Tulane being right before it, and they kind of turtled up against Tulane, and they got stuck. They didn't get the last drive they needed, and they got stuck, and they, and they lost it. And um, in the grand scheme of things, they won the Big 12. They went to the Sugar Bowl. It didn't really change their season very much. They weren't going to, you know, they, they weren't going to go to the playoff if they hadn't lost to Tulane or whatever. Um, so, so it didn't, didn't really matter overall. But uh, the thing about Troy is they're, they're one of those teams that, like, the down-to-down business of football wasn't as good. Some of their defense or offensive efficiency stats were really bolstered because their defense was so good at forcing turnovers that they got better field position. They had shorter fields, and so they're scoring more. Um, they, they lose their defensive coordinator to uh, – Gotta do the dance. He's he's a Tulane now, I, I believe. Okay. Um, and they yeah, so because Tulane had to hire two guys because right. they hired Lance Guidry from Marshall and he got hired to Miami and then Tulane had to hire again. But um, yeah, I think that he is. Uh, I, I expect some regression from that defense. And Kansas State's still kind of figuring out what the offensive mix is now that Deuce Vaughn is gone. And they've got uh, Giddens and they've got Treshawn Ward. Both of those guys looked really good. Didn't really matter last week. Um, and and Will Howard, I think, one of the more experienced quarterbacks in college football. Uh, I, given the defensive regression, I expect that a Troy had actually lean that way. But I, I'm very compelled by the spot argument, especially because we saw the exact same thing happen last year and they got stuck by Oklahoma. I, I, yeah, so I, I can I can understand the, the spot argument for sure. All right. Nope. Great stuff. Spot argument. All right, man. Well, Parker, we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming on and breaking down some games. I have a blast talking to you. With you. Uh, love my college football, man. And you are one of the go-to guys that I enjoy uh, consuming media and obviously some new sites, Sumer Sports and the CFB graphs. Where can our listeners get your great information and media? Yeah, Twitter is the best place. That's the hub for, for everything. You'll find it there. I put the stat previews up there. And then make sure you subscribe on YouTube to the BetUS NCAA F show on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays at uh, at um, noon uh, Central. 
So that's always a, a fun time with, with Kyle and Gary Seegers over there. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of fun at picks and games. So check that out as well. Absolutely. Make sure you guys check that show out and check out Parker at Stats of War. We'll be texting Parker. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Now it's time to talk about some football contests with Peter Simonis from the season. Now I'd like to welcome for the first time to the show the CEO and Commissioner of the season and Mr. Peter Simonis. You can follow him on Twitter at the SZN. Peter, thanks for coming on, man. Are you ready for some football this year? great to be here i'm so ready for football the long dark days without our are about to be over so let's get it on man well that's great and uh i really appreciate you coming on because you know when we came across each other wow uh this is such an interesting site that you have for the public and it's been out there for a while and as a matter of fact you know when i when i first saw it i was like i've seen these guys before i've seen this before it's getting more and more popular can you tell our listeners and viewers what the season is and how it got started yeah, totally. So so it's called The Season. You can find us at www.theszn.com. We spell it the cool kid way. <laughs> um, and we run very fun, very big, and very simple pools. So classic formats like Survivor, Pick'em, One and Done. Uh, and that is our bread and butter. We think we do it better than anybody else. We have a lot of fun, and that's what you'll find on The Season. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, lots of contests and lots of fun games. That is cool. What year did you get it started? I mean, it was a side project for me for for a long, long time before uh, I went full-time with it uh, two years back. But I was the sports editor at USC back in the glory days of Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush. Nice. And I started like uh, you know running pools with friends and family just to stay close to sports, and I took it way too seriously just for my own fun, and it spread and it spread and it got so big over the years that it became my full time job. Well, that is wonderful! Wow, just a place to have fun and compete and make the football season more interesting for us all. Well, how many contests do you currently have at the SCN at the season dot com? Yes. Uh, so we do 10 uh, different pools for the NFL. Um, you can join any individual pool for 10 bucks, um, or you can save money by doing a bundle of pools. So for example, the 10 pack of all NFL pools, if you want max fun, uh, is 40% off. And a lot of our members take advantage of those bundles. Well, that's nice. So so basically, they they pay for pools and you can get a bundle of pool. And then how do the payouts work? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's as you would expect in terms of uh, you know a lot to the winner. Uh, we we do we do I, I will say we don't do winner take all. So a lot of like survivor pools and stuff are winner take all. We pay usually somewhere between ten and twenty percent of uh, participant size in terms of places, um, and uh, you know in terms of uh, the prize pools, it's important to note that they are guaranteed all of them. Uh, they are fixed and stated in advance. So you always know sort of what is there and the structure of it before you choose to sign up. Okay, awesome. So everything's guaranteed. Well, that's nice because it's always right. makes you feel a hell of a lot better getting a guarantee when you don't. There's only very few places that do that. And uh, some some uh, establishments are a little bit shady on that as well. But that's great that you guys have that for the public. I mean, how many people are getting on your big pools? And what's your most popular? 
Yeah, totally. So, uh, I mean, the pool that sort of put us on the map, made us famous, is our big survivor. So classical NFL survivor, uh, one pick a week. We do move to two picks in week 10. We don't do any of this variable stuff, depending on how many people are alive. It's just like it moves to two picks in week 10. That's how it works. So you can plan in advance if you want. And uh, last year, we had 13,000 people uh, play in, in the NFL Survivor. And it's worth noting, everything that we do is single entry. So we don't do multiple entry stuff, up to 10, 20 entries. It, I get it. You know, that's a thing that people can do. But uh, on the season, you know that like everyone has a level playing field and everyone's got one entry. So 13,000 entries means 13,000 people uh, that were playing in our NFL Survivor last year. Holy cow, 13,000. That is massive, my man. Um, so what was the payout for that thing? Yeah, so last year the winner uh, took home a cool one hundred thousand uh, dollars, and it's worth noting. Also, we have this slogan where we capitalize it. We say "No damn ties." So a lot of survivor pools and whatnot are just kind of split uh, between however many people make it to the end. Uh, with all of the pools that we do, we structure it so that you're gonna end up with a single champion at the end of the pool. So yes, we pay out a bunch of places as well but you know that that champion's prize is not going to be split among a bunch of people perhaps it's going to be one person and we sort of use tiebreakers if necessary but often given the way that we structure the pools like moving to two picks per week in week 10 we don't need the tiebreakers it breaks breaks clean so last year we had 32 people that were alive i believe it was week 14 uh and it was a tough week for survivor 31 dropped out one guy was left he was the champ so he won hundred thousand dollars i will say that we got a lot of feedback from the season community again we're big uh, we love to listen to our members who are just like hundred thousand dollars is great but like man it'd be nice to beef up the middle prizes and the long tail of prizes a little bit uh and like 50 75 whatever that's still a ton of money for one person so we got so many people telling us that that we moved the first prize down to fifty thousand dollars this year beefed up those middle prizes so that you're still winning 100 200 500 bucks on you know a ten dollar entry even if you finish well back in first place well that's interesting so uh obviously great for the guy last year but so what you can win some mini contests too within it i guess um well i mean how do you not have a tie completely is it because of the two picks per week since week 10 does that help it a lot yeah, so it's like we've been doing the Survivor Pool. This is our 15th year. Uh, and, you know, from the start, year by year, we tweaked and we tweaked. And as we got bigger and bigger, one of the things I say is that we specialize in pools that scale. We, we specialize on like how to do this in a way that actually creates champions versus like log jams and weird situations that nobody wants to be in. Um, but yeah, if you moved two picks in week 10, it's very, very likely that you are going to have a clean champion. I will say that in a world in which, let's say you have two people left and they both drop out right in that subsequent week, we do what we call a tiebreaker pickoff, which is the following week, you basically do a pick em of all the games that week uh, and you order them by confidence. Uh, and we use that to break a tie if necessary. Um, we don't use it very often, but we have used it a few times um, to wow. determine the ultimate champion. That's hard to hedge because it's not like you can like <laughs> put a bunch of bets on the other side. You have no idea what the other guy's going to do. That is interesting, man. Well, that puts on the pressure. Um, well, I mean, like it's kind of late for. I mean, not. It, I guess a lot of people do sign in after this podcast comes out on Thursday because you have all the way up till the first game on Sunday to get yes. in. But still, uh, what, what if you know people are listening but they don't get in? Are there other survivor pools start maybe week two, week three, stuff like that? Totally. So first of all, I would say yeah, definitely you still have time to get in up 
until the 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff on Sunday is when the week one pick deadline is. So come join us. Uh, if you don't happen to make it by that point in time, we do have pools that start at different times of the year. So we have a, a second chance survivor that starts in week five. Uh, also very big prizes uh, in that one, like $25,000 in, in total prizes for that one. Uh, we have a third chance uh, in week nine, which has an interesting, because it starts in week nine, you have to ramp up the picks per week. So it goes from like one to two to three picks per week pretty quickly. It's kind of like the wild west of Survivor. Uh, and I'll say that our weekly pick uh obviously runs every week. And a huge majority of the prizes there are just for the weekly payouts. So we have $1,000 that's up for grabs every single week. And you can join at whatever week you want to and start participating in that one. So lots of pools that start after the, after the beginning. But if you hear this, come join us for the start and yeah. uh, save yourself some money out of a bundle of pools. When it comes to two or three picks, if you get one wrong, you're not out of Survivor, right? When it comes to two? So, so for the third chance one, you are. So it's okay. because it starts so late in the year. Third chance, um, you have to, yeah, you have to win okay. them all to, to keep going. But the main one, that's that 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 you start two picks a week at ten. At, at ten, right? Yeah. So for all of our survivor competitions, if you lose, you're eliminated. Um, but we also do one and done competitions. So we have this fun one called the All Thirty Two One and Done, which is. Uh, you have to pick each team in the NFL exactly once uh, to win the game. And you have one pick in the first four weeks and then two picks from every week thereafter. So it's exactly 32 picks. Uh, and then it's no elimination. It's just whoever ends up with the best win-loss record at the end of the year, including that pick on the Cardinals, including that pick on the Texans. Uh, uh, wins that so, so basically at week 10, if you get the two, one of the two picks wrongs, you're out of survivor because it's that big. That's, that's, that's exactly. Okay. I will say though, and this goes back to like us, you know, we take pride in being super buttoned up with rules and tiebreakers and all that. So if it's down to the bare end, uh, very end, and you have two picks per week and like one person gets both of them wrong and one person goes one and one, the person that goes one and one is the champion. So it's like ultimately the amount of wins right. is, is the thing that matters the most, but the elimination component, yeah, if you lose your eye. Do people get eliminated years before the final game? Um, say that again? Well, do people like exit before week 18? I mean, that's had to happen sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like so the whole field. We used to, when we were smaller it was just one pick all the way through the end and then we got to a certain size where i think it was two years in a row we had multiple people survive all the way through at that point in time 17 weeks uh and so we were like listen we need to make some changes so that we can continue to ensure a single champion um in those years what we did is we did like a playoffs pick them as the tiebreaker which was fun and it's like fewer games and and, and sort of uh but it's not the way that we wanted it to happen so we moved to the two picks in week 10 and we have not had somebody go all the way through yet. That so makes sense. Uh, it yeah. usually ends somewhere between week 14 and week 17. Gotcha, gotcha. So th- we can enter all times a year. It gets a little tougher at the end, but there's somebody that's going to win. That's fun. And there's all these mini contests. And as a matter of fact, uh, I am sponsoring a Losers podcast for the Oddsbreakers for you guys. Tell us about the Losers uh, uh, contest. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got the uh, the the loser survivor uh, sponsored by the Oddsbreakers, which is super fun, and uh, I think people are pretty familiar with traditional Survivor. But when you flip it and say, same notion, pick one team per week, you can only use each team once, but you're picking teams to lose, and if you lose, you survive and move on to the next. Oh, week. Um, Arizona, it, too bad I can't use them every week. 
<laughs> exactly. And what you and what you quickly realize, and like we did this for the first time last year, and people loved it. They were just like, "This format's amazing! Like, please bring it back, keep it going, and like maybe even do multiple of them." And it's because I, the the teams that are really, really, really bad um, are at more of a premium in the NFL than the teams that are either really good for the whole year or teams like the Lions last year that get really good for a stretch. Um, you don't have that many teams that are just truly awful in like the parody, you know, NFL universe of today. So loser survivor, I would argue over the long haul is actually a little bit even harder. I would think so too, because you can pick your spots with the, with the good teams. You can always fade the Cardinals every week, but you can't always pick against the chiefs against when they they have a first place schedule. It's always going to be tough. You know, It's, it's like they play good teams all the time. So that's. You, it, it's so interesting and that's so mind-boggling but that's how cool it really is man to do something like that so i applaud you guys for doing that it's going to be an exciting sponsorship for us this year and i'll tell you this man the season has more to offer than just football doesn't it totally yeah so we do seven sports um i think right now we're up to 40 pools that we offer year round um our biggest uh by sort of pool size after the nfl is golf uh in march madness uh, but right now we have a EPL, the English Premier League. We have a soccer uh, survivor, although we call it football season, you know, because that's sure. what the rest of the world calls it. Um, so we have an EPL survivor and EPL pick them going right now. We just suffer the Champions League. So lots of stuff if you come to the site. Um, and I will say that that uh, we have a, a special thing for listeners of the Odds Breakers that when you, when you come to the site, use the URL www.theseason.com slash OB uh, for Ozbreakers. So if you use www.theseason.com slash OB, then when you sign up and join any pool of ours, we'll throw in uh, for free a, a bonus week two pool. That's like a, a pick them with a fun twist um, for being a, a listener of the Ozbreakers that heard this podcast and, and decided to join us. Oh, that's great. Cool. So you got a fun twist actually planned out. That that sounds amazing, man. Well, hey, we'll be talking about that, obviously, throughout the season and uh, getting things going. So this sounds like a great format for all you listeners out there that love sports betting or love picking games because you can do this throughout the whole year. You, you offer way more amounts than sports books do, and you're definitely accredited because you have that guarantee, Peter. Anything I'm missing here? I don't think so. I mean, I think that it's it's just the, the thing that I often say is that the season is like your local bar league that somehow got massive, but <laughs> kept the original spirit. Like, we have a lot of fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're very buttoned up. Like, we're a formal U.S. corporation that, you know, is, is doing all the things that you would expect from, from an American company. Um, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And we have a lot around community a lot around like we have this thing called squads where you can play with your just your friends and your family and if somebody from your squad wins a pool everyone gets paid and also if your squad is like the best performing squad out of all the ones that are in that playing in that pool then you also get paid so like allows you to like root for your friends and your family even if you you know got eliminated early on in survivor or whatever it might be so we do these things to try to make it much more like uh, a league where people actually know and like each other than <laughs> an anonymous, you know, thing that, that you're doing on your own. So um, it's a lot of fun. Hope people come check us out. And yes, again, we spell season the cool kid way, S-Z-N. So 
uh, as 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 you have joked with me about, he's like the season you know spelled the normal way was probably taken, right? Yes, <laughs> uh, but but we also like that it's becoming more of a pop culture thing now. Well, there you go. That's why it's the cool way, the young kid way. The SZN.com, now that makes total sense. But it's easier to write too. You're typing it out. You know, sure. just like a long yeah. address. You know, one likes to do that. Nice and short address. Well, great stuff. Make sure you guys check out the Ozbreakers.com slash the season or the season.com slash OB to sign up for these wonderful competitions. Had a blast talking to you, Peter. We'll be talking soon. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me benefits like better health, mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier-looking skin, hair, and nails. If you'd like to take ownership of your health, try AG1. Get one free year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase go to drinkag1.com slash icebreakers or click on our podcast episode description all right sharp money we're gonna talk sharp money movement the top five in college on sides and totals as of wednesday sharp money on ball state plus 44 and a half to plus 42 and a half at georgia 32 percent of the tickets and 85 percent of the money on ball state Sharp money on UTEP plus three to minus one and a half at Northwestern. 30% of the tickets and 55% of the money on UTEP. Man, I disagree with that a little bit. Uh, Sharp money on UNLV plus 38 and a half to plus 36 and a half at Michigan. 30% of the tickets and 55% of the money. Sharp money on Old Dominion plus seven to plus six hosting Louisiana. 39% of the tickets and 99% of the money. Sharp money on UCLA minus 13 and a half to minus 14 and a half at San Diego State. 60% of the tickets and 94% of the money. Sharp totals. Ole Miss versus Tulane over 59.5 to 66, 75% of the tickets and 91% of the money. Sharp money on Texas A&M versus Miami over 47.5 to 51.5, 90% of the tickets and 93% of the money. Sharp money on Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh under 50.5 to 46.5, 65% of the tickets and 94% of the money. Sharp money on UCF versus Boise State over 55.5 to 60. Uh 56% of the tickets and 92% of the money. Sharp money on UCLA versus San Diego State over. 46.5 to 49.5, 43% of the tickets, and 66% of the money. Let's move on to Sharp NFL. Week one, we have the Steelers plus three to plus two and a half, hosting the Niners. 45% of the tickets and 86% of the money. Sharp Man the Titans plus three and a half to three at the Saints. 60% of the tickets and 93% of the money. Sharp Man the Packers plus two and a half to plus one at the Bears. 54% of the tickets and 78% of the money. Sharp Man the Patriots plus four and a half to plus four hosting the Eagles. 32% of the tickets and 54% of the money. Sharp totals. We got the Panthers versus Falcons under 43 to 39.5, 57% of the tickets and 74% of the money. Sharp man, the Cardinals versus Commanders under 40.5 to 37.5, 68% of the tickets and 88% of the money. Sharp man, the Eagles versus Patriots under 46 to 45, 67% of the tickets and 98% of the money. And sharp money on the Bills versus Jets under 48 to 46.5, 52% of the tickets and 83% of the money. That's it for sharp sides and totals. Talking a little quick, UFC 293. It's a main pay-per-view. I said I'd talk a little bit about the pay-per-views. Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland. I mean, Adesanya's minus 650 here. I mean, what are you going to do? He's probably going to win. But this number's getting too out of hand. Sean Strickland plus 460, almost plus 500. That gives him less than a 20% chance to win when you get up to the plus 500 area. You know, it's uh, absolutely ridiculous that uh, this number is just getting this far at hand. Now, I, I know Adesanya is great, but man... 
Uh, this is getting closer and closer to where I have to just take a little bit of a piece of Sean Strickland just in case he knocks out Adesanya. Adesanya should be winning this. I think this should be lined at minus 350, not minus 650. Uh, it's just, it just seems a little bit too far-fetched right now. I know Adesanya just got his title back here, but Strickland has been performing a heck of a lot better later. Uh, next fight, Tuivasa versus Volkanov. Uh, this is an interesting fight because Volkanov is an absolute beast when it comes to stand-up, and there's only really times he fails is when he fights someone massively elite or when he goes to the ground. Uh, I think Volkanov is certainly the correct side in here, but my wonder is if you can get a, maybe a better price inside the distance. Uh, it's been a long time since Tuivasa uh, was able to last, last all three rounds. Volkanov, he's long, he keeps a distance, and he has some very powerful punches when he uh, squares you up. I think he overpowers Tai Tuivasa just by his massive size here. Uh, Tuivasa is not exactly a small guy at 6'2", 265, but Volkanov, man, who is he, 6'8", 265? You know, massive arm reach. You're talking about a, a, a an 80-inch reach, over 75-inch reach, more significant strikes land per minute, 4.89 to 4.1. Both are stand-up fighters, but, you know, Volkanov has been known to be able to do a little bit of a groundwork if needed. Uh, I think take the minus 105 Volkanov inside the distance for 1.5 stars. Uh, Manuel Cape versus Felipe Dos Santos. I, Dos Santos was really a nobody. Manuel Cape is really kind of tearing things up in the flyweight division. So it, there's this is, you probably just would only use a parlay for Cape here in this situation. I think this maybe does go the, to decision. Uh, Felipe Dos Santos has never lost uh, by... Well, he's actually never lost. I mean, he, he's literally seven and oh, but he hasn't fought in anybody yet, being that he's this is his first fight in the UFC. So, yeah, just because of that, I, I don't even know if I'd take him by decision. I, I would say maybe Cop does take him out uh, in the uh, first couple rounds. So, this would be a situation where Cop would only be able to be played. Uh, via parlay uh, Justin Taffa versus Austin Lane I was on Austin Lane before that eye poke but they're running it back right now I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back to Austin Lane he's plus 180 right here and I like Taffa and everything and Taffa's a pretty good fighter uh, for the heavyweight but Austin Lane's a little bit bigger than him uh, he's 6'6 six, six. Uh, Taffa's more like 6'3 and uh, you know Austin Lane has some serious power behind his punches he hasn't lost since 2020 to Vernon Lewis he did get KO'd back then and yeah he hasn't fought in the UFC just went through Dana White's contender series pretty easily against Richard Jacoby but you know Tafa six and three uh he lost to Jared Vandera I mean losing to Vandera absolutely terrible he lost to Carlos Felipe in a split decision you know that's so high on Felipe uh, I guess Parker Porter he did beat Parker Porter and Parker Porter is uh, a terrible fighter so i can't give him too much for that so i think this is worth the 180 shot for one star for austin lane and the final fight with anton turkage versus uh tyson pedro uh, anton's fighting for his life you know he won the dana white contender series but then he lost to jilton almeida which is completely fine i think almeida is the best contender in heavyweight you know i mean he almeida just beat up jarzino rosen strikes and everybody he's actually fought 
it's not it, he beats him in the first or second round he's going to be fighting curtis blades and he's already a big favorite against even a guy like curtis blades at minus 200 for their fight coming up in november but um i just think that you know anton at 205 should be able to out wrestle tyson pedro anton is a pretty good wrestler he obviously hasn't been able to submit being that well you know he really hasn't been in the ufc you know there's a not a ton of stats on him in the UFC, but you know if you look at his uh, brave and uh, in the EFC, and he he's got plenty of submissions over there. So I think he's actually going to probably be a little bit better than Pedro. And this is why he's minus one fifteen. I'm going to consider a play on him. I'm just going to give you a lean on him. So to recap, we are taking the Tennessee Titans plus three. We are teasing for our refuse to lose teaser Washington minus one, Cleveland a plus eight and a half. We are taking NC State at plus seven and a half. I'm taking Iowa at plus four. Parker's on Texas A&M, minus four and a half on the road, but he's also against my NC State play at Notre Dame, minus seven and a half. So uh, hopefully, you know, these plays work out for you, and uh, we're going to start recapping them at the end of our episodes as well. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Really appreciate all you listeners and all of you premium subscribers that help keep this website and this podcast running. If you have any questions for us or for our Monday show uh, that airs on Tuesday, feel free to email us at info at theoddsbreakers.com. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy all the games. And go get some winners. <laughs>